ho, ho, hello and welcome to News to Reviews, your place to be for gaming news stories and also your place to be for impressions on the latest games coming out each and every week. I am a very festive Zach as we are, this episode will be coming out right after Christmas. Merry Christmas everybody and happy holidays everyone else and celebrate Christmas. Someone who, I don't know if you celebrate Christmas or not. Yes, um, this is as always, no, not lucky. This is as always the spirit of, of, um, non, non-religious, um, holiday cheer. <laughs> this, this is a holiday for all and a time for all to listen to terrible music in the mall and listen to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, but it's not about Christmas. It's about Mariah Carey and all the money she has. Alrighty, so can I call you like, what would it be? Spirit of Sondrich? I can't think of a short name. No, no, that works. That well, I'll revise my name. I'm the spirit of non uh, non- I'm the spirit of non-denominational holiday cheer. And then you can call so- me Son Son Sondhuk. Alright, Sondhuk. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna call you Sond for short. Well, so close to Sondheim. As you could tell, this isn't going to be a regular episode of News to Reviews, and as what we, we mentioned last week, this is going to be our game of the well, our, our game awards. Yeah, they, they, we're going to have all our different. We got all our different categories here oh, ready to go. Oh, it's been a big year. It's been an exciting year. Um, there's been now, so many gems. Oh, now if you want to listen to a great recap of the year. Uh, with s- some fantastic categories. Then don't listen, listen to, to this. You don't, yeah, go listen to the Inconsolables uh, Game Awards that they released. Uh, God, it would be two weeks ago now. Fantastic episode. They take uh, category nominations from uh, listeners, and it, yeah, it was a lot of fun, that episode. I recommend going and checking it out. But if you want to hear Lockie and I faff around for an hour or so, then, yeah, this is the place to be. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sond. Sontag, yeah. Yep, yep, okay. So, the way we're going to be doing this is we'll uh, mention what the category is and then talk about the nominees uh, and mention who the nominees are and then we will have the discussion, decide who will take the award. You're going to be hearing live the process. Yeah, exactly. So, we're doing the exact opposite of what normal awards shows do. We... We feel like our listeners um, prefer the journey rather than the end result um, because, well, this uh, this has been a bit of a journey this year because the end result has been an absolute fucking shit show. That's it. That's that's what this show's all about. It's about the game discussions. So that's right. I it feel is... like we'd be amiss if we just cut that entirely out of the game awards that it, we have. <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's all about the process. It's all about the journey. It is um, year 10 English all over again. Oh yeah, and I'm meant to be the spirit of holiday cheer, and I'm I'm the opposite of that. So none of, <laughs> none of this is syncing up, but it's very on brand. So well, Sond, maybe I can make you a little bit more cheerful by getting cracking with our first game award. Now, our first category is play of the year. Now, this is our award for the game of the year that had the best gameplay. And our nominees are Doom Eternal by ID Software, The Last of Us Part 2, made by Naughty Dog, Ori and the Will of the Wisps by Moon Studios, and Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch. Now, 
Where should we get started here, Lockie? Which, uh, my, I think for me, mm. my favourite gameplay of the year so far has been The Last of Us Part 2. How the, all the animations that they had in there were just absolutely ridiculous and it just made for this really cinematic and gritty feeling gameplay mm. that I absolutely loved. What do you, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. Um, I hate ammo mechanics and I feel that that by default, because we're talking about play of the year. So in my mind, play of the year is purely mechanics. Story doesn't mean shit. Aesthetics doesn't mean shit. Sound doesn't Mm -hmm. mean shit. It is about the core game. Are you playing a game that feels great in your fucking hands? And I got to say, Last of Us Part 2, it looks beautiful, but uh, the movements, it, it feels horrible. It feels like... It's too detailed. It feels like you, you. It feels you can feel knee knee pain when you're jumping down from ledges. Um, <laughs> we, that's how realistic it is. Um, and just anything with ammo mechanics, I I hate ammo management. I hate bullet management. I don't see that as a fun way to play a game, and I see that as a crutch for a poorly designed challenge in a game. I I cannot agree with you um, any further than supporting those games in those particular areas just for Play of the Year. Well, I, I dare say uh, Doom Eternal is out for Play of the Year then yeah, because that is no. like 99% ammo management. Now, yeah. look, I, I think uh, like I, I'm, I'm on the other side of that, obviously, with The Last of Us Part 2 there. Like, I, I, I loved the feel of the gameplay and the more I played it, the more... I loved it, and it was it was all about the way it felt to play. Uh, MO management, yeah, I agree. It's never fun, and I think uh, as a fan of The Last of Us Part 1, I was going in expecting, yeah, MO management's going to be a part of it because it's a survival game. It's about, you know, running out of MO and having to come up with some kind of interesting way uh, to take out the enemy, of which there is an absolute myriad of ways uh, that you can do that, which is what I love so much about it. Like once, once I got the hang of the gameplay, you know, doing things like you know throwing a brick to distract someone, going around the other side, you can grab them and hold them and take them hostage and use them as a human shield while you take out another couple of guys with your pistol and then knife that guy in the neck and run off and hide again. Like it, it was just so fantastic and cinematic and visceral and fun. Mm. But yeah, I totally understand. Uh, why you wouldn't be a fan of the ammo management? I'm happy to remove that from the running out of out of these four, which would leave us with Ori and the Will of the Wisp and Ghost of Tsushima. Now, I haven't played Ori, which I believe you have, and you haven't played Ghost, which I have. Yes. So, uh, like for me, the the my choice would would have to be Ghost purely because that's the one that I played, and the gameplay in Ghost of Tsushima is absolutely stellar. I played through that entire game on hard, mm. and I loved every second of it. It, it. it always felt... It never felt like I was... If I ever died, it was due to the game being unfair or, uh, you know, something being buggy or something like that. It was always just due to my own failures as a as a samurai and it's good it, it always feels good to play a game when you know that you can get better just by getting good rather than uh oh the game just glitched out at me or you know the game's just being intensely unfair um yeah how do you, how are you feeling as far as those last two well it's interesting so as you say i haven't played ghosts and you haven't played ori so it's basically us going up against each other with our own preferences it's a will it, it's a fight of the wills um and yeah so no 
I, I, I gotta Light say... Of the wills of the wisps? Oh, yeah, exactly. Ooh. Exactly. I'm already trying to lead into why mine's better. No, I think... <laughs> I, I, I think it's... I think it's... It's a big deal when you, Zach, can actually get through a game on hard. That's actually... <laughs> that's actually huge. And I think that that is a testament to the game creator's ability to to make a system that is not only something that even someone such as yourself can learn and grasp, um, but keep you engaged and challenged in the entire way through. And that's where I go, oh, no ammo management. Um, uh, so definitely, I think Ghost has a lot of things going for it. I will say, though, Ori, Ori is one of those games. It... It builds on its predecessor in every single way. It it establishes... It's one of these perfect 2D side-scrollers where um, you don't see those games anymore and it's part of a generation that I absolutely adore. Um, I, I'm very nostalgic for it. And it just... it Every single movement is so fluid. Um, mm. So it's a game that's all about movement and actions and then the concept between those two. And everything is done so perfectly and tightly. I... I I have to. Uh, it's got to be a top contender. But I will say, if Ghost of Tsushima and I am relying on you heavily to tell me whether or not you feel that it is meeting these criteria, if Ghost of Tsushima does is doing Assassin's Creed mechanics but better, and Assassin's Creed fighting but better, then I'm gonna have to go with Ghost of Tsushima. Now I, I might surprise you here. Um... There, there is issues with the gameplay with Ghost of Tsushima. Now, the uh, the combat is stellar; it's fantastic. The the places where I think it, it you know, it's not completely top tier would have to be the archery for one thing. Like if it's it's good and it's passable and it feels good, uh, but it's definitely I think it's been done better in other games. Uh, and also the stealth; the stealth is is basically just passable. Uh, there's situations where I'll go into a room and there's three guys all looking, standing in different directions who don't move at all, and I can just go in there and take out each one. And it's just, it, it's the stealth was almost just far too easy and simple. Mm. Uh, so I'd say there there is elements of the gameplay that maybe do, do, doesn't hold up quite as well as what they would in other games. Like I'd say the stealth is far better in in uh, Last of Us Part Two, but it's about the same sort of stealth level as what you know your Assassin's Creeds are basically. Um, and even the archery, I preferred the feel of the bow in The Last of Us Part Two, as well. Uh, so, yeah, so based purely on those, if mm. you... I'm happy to take your word that this is a, a smooth-playing 2D side-scroller. I've seen gameplay of this, and it looks smooth and fluid as... Uh, the pl- with the you know the mix of the combat plus the platforming. Yeah. Um. If 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 you're leaning towards Ori in that sense, like if you can't find any faults there, I'm happy to award it to them for sure. Well, I think we got to go with it on that basis alone because yeah, Ori is a flawless mechanics wise, a flawless um uh a flawless depiction of the 2D side scroller. It has absolutely there's there's nothing negative that I can say in terms of the movement and combat. It has. Um, it has a lot of options and a lot of variety with the way that you can fight and everything feels so fluidly worked well within the dodging mechanics, the blocking, the countering. Ironically, um, yeah, even modern games, um, modern 3D games, including Ghost of Tsushima, it's all about dodging, blocking, countering. This is pulled off perfectly in the 2D space. Um, so yeah, on that alone, I I think uh, I I would probably lean towards Ori. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Ori and the Will of the Wisps by Moon Studios is the news to reviews play 
of the year. That's right. It's a title with the best gameplay. And it's funny because before we spoke about yeah. doing this game of the years, we were like, oh, this is probably going to be so dominated by Sony. Our very first one we picked was like by a very small studio owned by Microsoft and yeah, published by Microsoft and an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. Well, wow. no, no. Mi- I was Microsoft. not expecting out of these four that, that that would be the one we land on. Well, well hey, Microsoft that's, exclusive. That's why we do this it, stuff. Yeah, it's Microsoft exclusive because I did play this on the PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah bloody yeah. hell. Yeah, um, bloody uh, yeah. I, I was expecting Ghost of Tsushima to uh, to clinch it, but um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, God, what a surprise! Wow, wow, audience, we're you know we're just as surprised as you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um. Well, just because, um, just because I, all right. So we've just covered off the play of the year. Zach, do you want to bring in the next category that we have? Oh yeah, I do. Now I, I promise the puns will only get better from here on out. It is time for the news to reviews game of the year. Yes, that's right. It's the game that had the best sound and music. Of all the games of this year. Now the nominees are Doom Eternal by ID Software. The composing done by Mick Gordon. The Last of Us Part 2 developed by Naughty Dog. Baldur's Gate 3 uh, which is still in beta uh, by Larian Studios. The composer is Borislav Slavov and Ori and the Will of the Wisps Moon Studios. God, Ori is making it. His- Ori is creeping in all of them. I wasn't expect. Hey. Ori sort of came out of left field. I got to say. Yeah, yeah, bloody oath. How, how are you leaning as far as uh, game of the year out of these options here, Lockie? Um. Okay. So he here's the thing. Um. Bowders. I really like the theme of Bowders Gate Three. Um. And it's only in beta, and that's why I'm really excited about this game because there's so much more that we know is going to come that I I'm what I've heard so far is it's already got me. It's already got me frothing at about a, a nine out of 10. So mm. you got to so but it's an incomplete game and there are limited scores. So where it lose, where it could lose out is if another complete game has more 10 out of 10 scores going on mm. within it, that works and feels perfectly aligned to the game and it's just wonderful to hear. Then I, I'm very open to hearing hearing you plead your case, Mister Zachary. Okay. Well, yeah. As I mentioned before, I haven't played Ori. Uh, the the music I heard in the trailers for that though sounded really moody and and lovely. Oh, it's I, gorgeous. I did really enjoy. That. Yeah, it's it's absolutely um, gorgeous. So, so like, yeah, total shout out to them. Uh, and I think Doom Eternal. Uh, the uh, I'll, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to say for that one, I'll, I'll I'll probably take that out of contention purely because uh, the main reason I put it there is because of the music. It's 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 got my favourite music, mm. I think, in any video game this year. Uh, Mick Gordon absolutely knocked it out of park out of the park again with the soundtrack. I would just say the only reason why I wouldn't have this as my as my number one was uh, because. Uh, uh, the, the, the rest of the sound, I don't think quite holds up as much. The voice acting's like decent enough. Uh, and the, 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 the guns sound fantastic. Yes. Um, but like, you know, nothing, nothing that I would exactly say that was like, you know, completely top tier. Whereas the sound in the last of us part two, I, I cannot fault it in any respects whatsoever. So Firstly, like the music in The Last of Us Part Two is fantastic. It's moody and and sets up a, a, a such a tense atmosphere. 
I absolutely adore it. Like it's it's one of those ones. I I, I haven't listened to it outside of uh, outside of um, uh, playing the game, but it's one of those ones. I've I've I think I've, I've very well could for sure. I absolutely adore the music. The voice acting is top notch. It's the best voice acting you'll ever see in a video game. It's so good. It is really good. Every voice actor you can tell really knows their character and and puts in 110%. It's it's the best that you can ever hear and then just the game the, the game sounds in general. Uh whenever you're in combat or you're just walking through the world, there's always ambient noise to that that is uh, ambient sounds that it's it just a pleasure to listen to and and really draw you into this gorgeous world or say you're in combat you know if you hear an enemy shout out the the the, the sound will actually come from the direction that the enemy is coming from if you have a good set of headphones the, the combat in this, the sound direction in it is just absolutely stellar and perfect. I just can't fault it at all. Um, yeah, the sound in The Last of Us Part 2 is the one that I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to go to bat for here. I honestly can't fault it in any terms. There's no, there's no part in this game where I didn't think they flawlessly pulled off the sound, whether it be the music, the voice, the voice acting, or the sound effects when, you, when you're uh, going throughout this world. All right. Uh, what do you think, Lockie? I, I th- here's the thing. So I'm glad that Baldur's Gate got into the nomination, and I think um, you know it might it might steal quite a few awards when the proper game is released. But I, if I'm comparing it against Ori, which I played, there's so many amazing songs composed within that that perk that just works so well with the scenes that they create. So they have those, they have those soft, um, you know, those soft sad songs for. Most of the game, I mean, all of the game is, there's no narration. There's barely any dialogue in the game that gives you a sense of what's going on. It's mostly conveying scenes and emotions through the visuals and through the music. And so when you have a game, (laughs) I'm just going to give all of the awards to Ori. Um, When you have a game like that, where they're able to pull that off so well, it's kind of like, um, if you ever watch one of those uh, old Pixar shorts whenever they did the shorts with absolutely no voice acting it was always a matter of using the music to convey your emotion and convey the feelings mm. so the when you have to do that the music has to be absolutely top notch because that's what's half that's 50% of what's in focus and a lot mm. of games don't have that going on so in that in that respect I would say that Ori um and the Will of the Wisps is it's slightly not quite as good as the original Ori, but it's up there. It's like where where Ori was a ten out of ten, um, the original base game, The Blind Forest, and uh, Will of the Wisps is like a nine out of ten. Um, so what it does is really really good. But if you feel that strongly about Last of Us, I'm happy to, mm. to I'm happy to concede Last of Us if that is where your head is at. I, th- I think purely because, and it sounds like w- what Ori's does, uh, what Ori does is absolutely amazing. But I think uh, ha- having to contend with also voice acting plus you know three D sounds and having to contend with you know sound direction in three D environments, mm. I can't imagine how fucking complicated that must get. Um, That's you true. Know, like it, it, it's it, there's so much work that goes into it, and and to say that I cannot fault it in any respects there. Yeah, I got to. Uh, yeah, I got to say, I think we'll have to hand it to the Last of Us for this one. You happy with that? Yeah, no, I'm happy with that. Yeah, it's a very good point. Voice acting is a part of the audio experience, and you know, if you are able to pull off 
all of those things together in perfection. I mean, yeah, it's just more. Bloody oath. So game of the year for 2020 goes to The Last of Us Part 2 developed by Naughty Dog. Now, look, I should mention, (laughs) fantastic game, but they did crunch the shit out of their employees in order to get this one out. So, you know, take that with what you will. You know, take that. Zachary, now is not the the time or the place to be talking smack about the game. (laughs) We are giving it praise for its end product and what it's it's brought to the world. Okay. Well, let's move on to something that I'm fucking, I'm pumped to get into this one. It is time for the news to reviews. Game of the Queer. Now, our nominees are Assassin's Creed Valhalla by Ubisoft, Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red, Hades by Supergiant Games, and The Last of Us Part 2 by Naughty Dog. Now, Lockie, just you sit back and let me, a cisgender, straight, white male, tell you which one should win Game of the Queer. Well, I mean, I'm cisgender <laughs> as well, so everyone here is cisgender. We're, we're not bringing that much diversity to the table here. Um, it, I, I love, I, I fucking love the title of this um, this award, Game of the Queer. And also, um, that's Game with G-A-Y dash M-E of the Queer. Yes, um, yeah. <laughs> so, bloody oath. Two puns for the right. price of one. That's right. Everything rhymes in this award show, and I love it. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, I, 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 I want to jump right off the bat. Um, Valhalla. As much as it made it in nominations, I think it made it in nominations alone, like only for the reason that there's not really that much gay representation in in video games in general, and the fact that it made it in there. Honestly, I I appreciated that it it does give you queer options in your rom- in your dialogue and romance, but I also don't think that they did a good job with it. And whenever they whenever the gay inclusivity is included, that's something always to be celebrated, but in terms of winning an award, um I want to actually see it see it make sense in the in the story and the world. I want to mm. see I want to actually see it have thought put into it um and it, it it actually have some sort of meaningful impact where you go, "Oh wow, what oh wow, that that was really great." Um so, you know, rather than just be sort of uh it, it, it being shoehorned in and being a bit of a pat on the back saying, "Oh yeah, it's great that you're inclusive." You know, you actually you actually have to earn it through the writing, and not a lot of um, piece, not a lot of games or any piece of media pull that off quite as effectively. So mm. that's that's where I go, Valhalla. Eh, thanks for including gays, but also you know, fix up your writing, man, because you know, come on, Ubisoft, yeah. fuck. Yeah, no, totally. I I'll, I'll have to agree with you with you there purely because it seems like it like it was just less work for them to do this. Like they just you know rather than just you know they they just led the option B for either gender and then that was it. Yeah, uh, and then just make all the terms really uh, what, what's the word. Uh, uh, really vague, like all like the the way they speak to each other. So it yeah. would just work with with any gender. So yeah, and 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 this exactly the same. I think I'll have to throw Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven in there with that as well too, because it seems to be the same thing there. You can just pick male or female, and then the relationships will just play out either way. As far as far as I know, I don't know if there is really any differences there. I haven't had the female playthrough yet, so I think yeah, let's 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 leave Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Cyberpunk. And that leaves us with Hades and The Last of Us Part Two. Mm. Now, I've I haven't actually gotten to the part in Hades 
uh, where you start to find the find that there is like a, a, a gay relationship going on between is it uh, oh, who's the main character in that uh, Zagreus and is it is it Death that he has a relationship? That's right, with? Thanatos. Yeah. So this is a spoiler episode as well as a game that's award because you know it can't. We can't we can't discuss this without spoiling a pretty big relationship and character plot point of the game. Um, mm. So yeah, Hades. As Hades goes along, and you begin to um, and you begin to interact with these characters straight off the bat, I picked up on the relationship vibes between those two because Hades very much came across as someone that was very pissy about uh, Zagreus deciding to up and leave up and leave the underworld. And and a lot of that, um, as they delve through the dialogue options and you spend more time with the character, it does become quite clear that they did have a relationship um, pre-existing mm. to that. And um, they had a bit of a falling out because um, Zagreus wanted... Um, Zagreus felt the pull of wanting to understand the mystery um, to his parentage. Um, you know, where'd his bloody mother go? Um, he's got his dickhead father, um, you know, stifling him and telling him what he can and can't do. And treating him like shit, and um, and he had to let Thanatos go in order to try and escape into into the overworld and find out, solve that mystery. So, as the something that this game does that's really fucking amazing, and um, and it's such a simple game. It's a very straightforward game where it's a dungeon crawl. You die over and over and over again until you eventually get enough upgrades and learn the game mechanics well enough to be able to escape. The underworld. That's it. Uh, the replay value is incredible. The way that they include all of the challenges to keep you replaying it over and over again. It's not just the challenges. It's the actual narrative and the dialogue options. So as you die over and over again, you begin to understand this relationship that Hades and Thanatos have. Um, it feels very genuine. It doesn't feel shoehorned in. It doesn't feel pe- like it's pandering. It feels like it works within that world. And the way that it, it's pulled off is a breath of fresh air it's it's a wonderful it, it's just a wonderful story and it doesn't feel like it, the experience is cheapened in any way by it existing and that's something that um as a gay person that's 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 all we want in this world we want to exist without feeling like we're having to to you know we're we're ruining things around us we're ruining the plot by just being shoehorned in like you know we want to just be uh people that that um, exist within p- families that exist within friend groups, you know, and that mm. our existence doesn't cause this this problem. And I think this this is one of those times where a story really was really did the gay experience justice. Mm. And, and like, even as a person who never got to that story point, I could see that you know Thanatos didn't agree with you trying to get out, yet he always comes back to help you no matter what. And I think that's someone that you know it's something that anyone gay or straight. Uh, can relate to for sure there, uh, yeah. and and that's and that's wonderful. That's just really good writing if if that's the case. And and the Last of Us Part Two, like you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm not gay, so I guess I can, I cannot speak for the gay community. But the way it felt to me, like playing through that story, was the characters just existed in this world, and it never felt to me like they were trying to shoehorn in any agenda or anything like that. Um, it was just a story about these really interesting characters existing in the, in this world. And it's not like they didn't like delve into some issues. Like um, uh, there, there is a trans character in the game, and they, and they are outcast from their group. But it all made sense in in the uh, in in the universe and the world of the Last of Us Part Two. The group that they were a part of were a bunch of religious zealots. So uh, I, I think a lot of people out there can certainly relate to that. 
you know, relate to you know those kinds of issues in their day to day as well too. So, yeah, uh, it's a like, pretty yeah, common never, story never... for uh, for people with the queer background um, having it, come to it, come to head with that at some point within their own family or life. Mm, it, it, exactly, and yeah, like it all it all made sense in the universe. None of it was like the. You know, it wasn't like the whole game was about any of these issues or anything like that. It was just these really interesting characters going through this really fascinating story. And I just felt like, I don't know, if it, like, you know, for me, you know, as an outsider, it felt, it felt really nice to see that kind of inclusion in that way and not just being like, oh, they're awesome because they're gay or whatever. Like, it was just these really vivid, and they were flawed characters as well too. They were just these real interesting well-written characters and oh what a yeah what a stellar title you know i like that as well um and i'm glad that you mentioned that floor putting flaws in characters where um particularly within the gay area is is a bit of a risk because Mm. it's hard to it's hard to please everyone because everyone kind of has their own idea of what they want or what they need from games and um you know Mm. i my what i want and what i appreciate from games when i see these things come up can be completely different from others and there's nothing wrong with that you know that's it's it's a hard thing to pull off and i think um Mm. i i appreciate when they do characters with uh, queer backgrounds with flaws without it just being they have flaws and they have to be killed off sort of thing um because that's Mm. a very common trope within uh within story writing where um, usually the gays have to be sacrificed in some way um, and mm. something that people are very frustrated with. I'm not necessarily frustrated with because I like a good sacrifice. <laughs> so, mm. so for me, if for me, if it works narratively and the, and the death feels impactful and it makes you feel really sad, I kind of like that. But also I get where people are coming from where they're like, okay, well, you know, let's maybe let's not always kill off the gays and, and, you know, the people of color within, uh, within the horror movie setting. That sort of mm. thing. So I don't know. Right. So my question to you is: um, Do you think? All right. Did you, two questions. Do you think that the narrative was was a rewarding one um, with the queer elements? Do you think it helped enhance the game? And it's did it make it interesting for you? Or um, to be to be honest, yeah. like when we were coming up with the nominees for this, like you even mentioned to me, oh, you didn't put the Last of Us Part Two on there. I was like, oh, oh shit, that's right. No. And like to to be honest, it kind of felt almost irrelevant to the story completely. Um, it just felt like they were just characters living in this world, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to you. Um, but look, for for me, I'd like Hades or The Last of Us Part Two, I'd be totally stoked for either of them to win. So I don't know. I'll, no, I'll leave this one up to you well, for sure. No, here's the thing: is that like you know, having having um, people with queer background in in stories and games and things, it doesn't need to it doesn't need to be in and of itself a it doesn't need to a be plot point? yeah it doesn't need to be a major plot point. All I'm saying is, did did the inclusion of these things make did it enhance the experience for you? Because I mean, because that's the only thing that's kind of important is, you know, are these characters interesting? And therefore, did that enhance the experience? Well, oh, well, yeah, the characters are certainly interesting. There's no doubt. But like, they would have been interesting whether they were gay or not. Um, I guess it, it did enhance the story in the way that, you know, it just felt more real because, you know, we live in a world where there are gay people and there are trans people. And so, yeah, it it, it was, I, I guess, refreshing in that way to see because you don't see it too much in mainstream media. 
Uh, we'll get. I, th- I think gay people have a lot more representation now in mainstream media. Trans maybe not quite as much as of yet. Uh, but yeah, so like for me, it, it yeah, like it, it made, yeah, I guess it enhanced it in that it made the world feel more real. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it just felt like just another part of these already really uh, complex and interesting characters. Okay, well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where, um, like you know, for gay representation and inclusivity in and of itself, it doesn't need to be this. It doesn't need to be this really obvious thing. Inclusivity, if the thing is great and it includes that stuff in it and it feels like it's done genuinely and it has a bit of thought and, um, you know, it, it has a little bit of a, a consideration more than just simply including for the sake of pandering, which I think is more, you know, Valhalla sort of territory. I have no mm. issue with The Last of Us Part Two getting this award simply because what they did and what they pulled off is something that I've never seen in a video game before. Hades, mm. Hades, while great, I have seen before. Mm. So, yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. I it Really, both could be tied for me because both are well-written and they have gays in it. Sorry, not gays. Oh. They have queer queer background characters in it. <laughs> Sorry, that's me using my own term terminology unfairly to uh, umbrella term. No, I should be a bit more uh, considerate there, so... Well, I I, I think it's only fair if if we we're both lo- like them both. I think it's only fair if the the actual the only queer member of our duo <laughs> nah. picks it. Or or am I being homophobic by saying that? Nah, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think I've earned. Uh, I don't think I'm I'm more deserving of that. Look, I think um I think we're gonna have to make it a tie for this one because it's a tough category to to pull off, and I think both of them have done a great job in different ways in um in being a lot more representative of good writing and including and including oh, the queer fuck experience. That. I don't I don't want to do a tie. I feel like it's such a cop out. It's not I, a I cop think out. we should pick one and we should live with it and if we have regrets we should keep us awake at night. And so if oh. you're not going to break the tie then I will. The straight guy will break the tie okay. and make the decision about who's going to win game of the queer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you want to do, Lockie? It's going to be one or the other. Well, I haven't played Last of Us Part Two, so I, I don't have any strong emotions tied to it. I loved Hades, so if I if I if I'm going purely with games I played, I'd go with Hades. But that's but that's not fair. Mm. That's not fair at all to Last of Us Part Two. Um, or maybe it is because Hades is available on all platforms, whereas Last of Us Part Two was only available on Sony which made it exclusive to only queer Sony players. So in that, <laughs> it was very um, it was very gatekeeping of the gate of the queer experience. So you know, just purely for that, Hades. Everyone gets nice. everyone gets to play Hades. Everyone gets to enjoy that. Bloody oath. Bloody oath. Hades by Supergiant Games <laughs> is news to reviews 2020 game of the queer. Yes, that's right. The game that uh, most uh, yeah does the best job of representing uh, LGBTQ peeps, LGBTIQ and uh, LGBTQIA was the last time I I looked at that, but there could be more now. So, um, okay. but yeah, we just say queer. Queer is the is the best umbrella term, just so it, you know it makes everyone everyone's included. Um, and also, Hades rhymes with Gades, so you, you also have that going for you. Oh, yeah. All right. 
now it's it's time to get on to the ones where we, we get a little bit more more negative. I think. <laughs> oh, these are my favorite. I love the negative ones. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you tell we always revel in this kind of stuff on news to reviews, <laughs> and this is no different. It is time for the news to reviews shame of the year. That's right. It's the developer or the you know, game development studio that have uh, des- deserve the right to be shamed publicly at our Game of the Year Awards. And the nominees are CD Projekt Red, <laughs> Ubisoft, Oh my god. EA, oh, these, and, these giants. and 2K. Oh, they're all horrible. Okay. They're all awful. They've done- they're, they're, they're all terrible in their own right. They've all done some really dodgy shit this year. What a lineup. Uh, e- <laughs> EA and 2K... Uh, both releasing games where a month later they put in uh, unskippable ads. Um, but oh, I think in comparison God. to, for just for me personally, in comparison to the other two, I think CD Projekt Red and Ubisoft are the clear contenders for the top top spot for shame of the year. What, what do you think, Lockie? I, look, yeah, it, it's it, it's kind of, it gets to the point where all of them have done rep, uh, morally reprehensible things. Um, almost all of them have lied to their consumers at various mm-hmm. points about their games, uh, almost all of them have treated their employees horribly. Um, oh God, it, it is a hard one. It's just you know how do how do we how do we quantify this? So we do it as a number thing. With if you rack up enough tallies of of shitty things that you've done in the year, do you get the you, you know? It's kind of reminds me of South Park's biggest douche of the universe awards. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like, how do how how do we do this, Zach? I don't know. Look, look. I think as far I think for me, I think it's what the what the issues are in general. So, I think the reason why I say EA and Two K, we kind of expect them to be do dodgy stuff as far as their monetization goes, uh, and it was dishonest the whole thing with the ads. Um, but it's not like you know, it's not like they didn't show us their game playing on the base consoles before release. You know what I mean? It's not like that, and and. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, and I guess also based on how much of exactly of a fuss it made in the zeitgeist as well too, we should definitely consider that. Whereas so impact, I think yeah. The impact is also very important, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, and I think purely based on that, like the shit that CD Projekt Red has gotten in trouble for this year, Crunch, straight away, that's something that shoots it right up to me uh, because I think Crunch is a massive problem throughout the industry and it leads to uh, lots of issues for those poor developers who are under those Crunch conditions all the time so i think just for that uh, it, it it shoots out ahead there and then yeah based on how they lied like they go back and listen to the last two weeks of news to reviews and like 90 percent of our news content is around the launch of cyberpunk because it was just an absolute shit show mm. it was just a roller coaster ride of corporate bullshit it was it was just an absolute disaster and they their, their stock dropped by 29 percent, and it was well well deserved but even after that massive rant and all the issues that i've had there with cd project red and it's probably the one that's made the most sort of headlines this year um i I gotta say ubisoft is the one that i i I think i want to go to bat for here sexual harassment in the workplace is absolutely horrendous and it's something that no one should have to experience ever crunch is bad i think sexual harassment and this 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 toxic work culture 
is a lot worse. And the story came out that had been happening basically since the inception of the company. It's been happening for a long, long time. And it, and it's awful and it's something that no one should ever experience. So for that, I, I think Ubisoft would have to be my top pick out of mm. these nominees. Yeah, I think... Um I think EA normally normally EA would win the award, but this this year they've been actually quite quiet with most of their releases. So um, you know, if they'd released something massive and then it had been a complete disaster, like it normally is, um, mm. yeah, EA EA could have come out of nowhere with that one. Two K, they're consistently bad, mm. but I don't know if that's enough to quite get it this year. I agree with you. I think it is between CD Projekt Red and Ubisoft. I will have to say though, I'm leaning more towards CD Projekt Red, and okay. and my reasoning is this: um, CD Projekt Red, yes, while there hasn't been sexual harassment with their staff, that that crunch stuff has been horrible, and it's and it's been happening for over the course almost an entire year because they were hoping they've kept pushing out the release dates. But when were they? When was the initial? intended release for cyberpunk do you remember it was it was intended to release a year ago but yeah they were, they were crunching well over a exactly. year ago as well too some reports were like you know the last two or three years exactly um it's just like not everybody's crunching at once and the crunch wasn't mandatory but yeah they lied about the crunch as well too they said they weren't going to to crunch their employees uh, and then they end up mandating crunch, and then we found out that yeah, they'd just been crunching them anyway. Yeah. So yeah, they were t- they totally lied to everyone about. That's that what I mean. Well. So, that's yeah, what I mean. So point. I'm just I'm 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 nailing that. I'm just boiling that down to treatment of staff. So staffing practice, workplace practices. We put it as that. Mm. I I Ubisoft. What they've done is horrible, and honestly, it's happened for a very long time. So um. Yeah, that's it's tricky to argue against on that, but all I'd say is that CD Projekt Red's crunch that they've had on all of their staff is also absolutely horrible, and it's happened for a very long time, and they still <laughs> fucked up their product. Um, so, yeah, and this is where, cool. yeah, so that's where I go. Okay, on that side of things, apples and oranges—they're both horrible, horrible gaming companies. Um, so I'm, and then that, that then gets me to move on to other areas and I go, okay, well the actual stuff that they've been pumping out, has this horrible treatment of their stuff been worth it in some, in some very sad nihilistic way? Um, okay. So what is the end result of all the monstrosities that they've, that they've committed? And that's where I go, Ubisoft they've done some shitty things and the games haven't been, you know, they're not 10 out of 10 games, but they have been decent games that have been coming out consistently. Um, Mortals is decent. Um, uh, Valhalla is decent. It's got problems, but it's decent. Um, yeah, whereas CD Projekt Red, Zach, only one game came out this year. Mm. The end result of all of the, all, all of the, the horrible treatment of their staff, all the misery and suffering that they caused... And what did they do with it? They just pushed mm. out that misery and suffering onto the world, Zach. Yeah. We felt the misery. Ab- and they lied about it as well, too. Exactly. So Look, everyone I- has yeah. suffered directly as a result of CD Projekt Red's management, their lies, their promises, their- mm-hmm. all of the deceit. Everyone has suffered. Mm. Every- uh, people's Christmases are about to be ruined, Zach, because kids will have a game that will not be playable, that they will unwrap from under the tree, and CD Projekt Red has anticipated this and said well fuck you we're still not refunding your game 
because it's past mm. twenty. It's past the twenty first of December deadline we we set for this specific mm. reason. So fuck you. So the, now, they're yeah. still trying to fuck over people's act. This, you know. Yeah. Ubisoft, at the very least, has a good PR team that is saying that they're trying to learn from their mistakes. CD Projekt doesn't even have a good PR team. <laughs> they're still mm, saying "fuck mm. you" outright. They're like, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, th- I think you that yeah, you you're right with a lot of aspects there as far as CD Projekt Red goes. It just keeps going. Uh, like, on on last week's episode, uh, we said yeah, the the twenty first is when they're doing returns to. So unless anything changes. Uh, in the in the next week, and they say they're going to extend the return period. Then yeah, that if if that's still the case, and yeah, that's absolutely shameful. Um, Ubisoft has made some steps to try and fix their workplace culture. The, a lot of heads did roll. They did fire a lot of executives. Yep. Um, they there was some people that they just moved around the company, which I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. Um, and they still have the same CEO, the same guy who oversaw all this shit. And was either incompetent and didn't know it was going on, or he oversaw all this shit and knew it was going on, and he's a monstrous human, uh, allegedly. Yeah, probably, Don't sue me. Yeah, well, it's um, so, that. so yeah, like I, I think. But I think purely because we don't, CD Projekt Red hasn't shown any signs that they're going to fix their crunch culture, whereas Ubisoft have taken some sort of steps to do so. It remains to be seen if there will be any changes in the future. I think based on that, I can concede to CD Projekt Red because, yeah, they haven't done anything to show signs of improvement. Uh, their reeve term policy is a joke. Uh, and and they've completely lied throughout this entire thing. Whereas at least Ubisoft, they did front up. They apologised, even though the apology was terrible. Uh, they, they've you know they have made some sort of steps, and you know may see some signs of improvement. Whereas CD Projekt Red, that's a big question mark at this point. So yeah, what are you thinking? Should we stick with CD? I think it's CD purely because, um, as you say, Ubisoft has at least made steps to to address some of the things so while it hasn't been a perfect run they've tried in some capacity whereas CD Project Red has not tried and they've doubled down on their shitty behavior for now um and it could just be a matter of our oh, time will allow for CD Project Red to to improve these things but for for 2020 Zach I gotta say um yeah the CD Project Red has just come out of nowhere as going completely from one of the most beloved game companies um, in, in the current world to being one of the most reviled, and with good reason. And sadly, you know, the the whole thing around CD Projekt Red, because it was such a, a bog launch, has been a bigger story to the game industry. The game industry seems to forget pretty quickly when there's issues of sexual harassment going on. It's it's very difficult to be able to actually find a lot of these stories when, the, when they are coming mm. out. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a shame. I think the stuff going on at Ubisoft was far worse than the stuff going on at CD Projekt Red, but purely based on just how much of a fucking disaster it was and, and that they're not showing any signs of improvement. Yeah, there we go. The 2020 News to Reviews Shame of the Year goes to CD Projekt Red. Congratulations, CD Projekt Red. You did it. Oh, oh, so glad. Yes, you receive your, your plaque in the mail in the next six weeks. Um, yeah, we hope you display it proudly. Yep, um, <laughs> yep if, if, um, and you have an open invitation to visit, to visit our recording studios to accept your award in person. <laughs> um, open invitation to the CEO. Congratulations. <laughs> Alrighty, and now to our next negative category. We have the lame 
of the year. Now, this is basically just the worst game, the biggest stinker. It's either the game that was mm. the most disappointing for us or just generally just a terrible, terrible <laughs> game. And the nominees are... God, CD Projekt Red coming in twice. We have Cyberpunk 2077. We have Marvel's Avengers, developed by Crystal's Dynamics. We have... Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Infinite Combat. Yes. <laughs> by Majors Inc. And we also have NBA 2K21 uh, by 2K Studios. I just want to go back to Avengers. Um, it, it's Marvel's event. Uh, no, it's Disney's Marvel's Avengers um, by by Crystal Dynamics. No, by Square Enix's Crystal Dynamics. So every the game. exactly, and then and then Avengers again because there's it, it, there's like there's like fucking five enormous corporations that have their stinkle over this one. Oh, just yeah. title alone, oh, yeah. you, you can just see what a you know, you can just see all this corporate group think like just in the title alone. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, let us get into all it. Alrighty, so I, I, this this one, I think all of our. All of our nominees here are so well deserving <laughs> to win this award. Oh. It's it's this is going to be super super hard to come up with one winner. Like NBA Two K Twenty One, that was a disaster at the at the Metacritic. Maybe, maybe that one we can we can throw out just purely because, like you know, su- surprise surprise, people weren't happy they got the same game year after year even yeah that's literally what it is every time that, anyway. that's true and that's the tricky thing with with um with 2k gaming is and and we've said this before in in the shame of the year is that they're just consistently bad and so and mm. so nothing they do is surprising and it's kind of that mm. surprise factor that really clinches it for an of the year award um whereas mm. like you know city project red no one was expecting them to just be absolutely dog shit um, mm. but when it happens, it, it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, so yeah, mm. I, I agree with you. I'd probably rule out that. I think there are a few more egregious errors there in that same mm. logic. I would say, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon infinite combat? Um, title wise alone, we knew that no one was expecting anything from this game <laughs> and it delivered. Um, so, you know, that, that's brand that is on brand. <laughs> that is consistency, um, at its very best. I knew it was going to be a shit show disaster. I knew I was throwing money away. Felt horrible doing it, but I felt like I had to take one for the team there. This is kind of a stand-in for all of those bullshit games that pop up on the Nintendo Switch store that you just know are a complete waste of money. They're trying to sell you on a picture alone of some anime girl. So, And that I don't know who this works on, but it works on someone because this shit still exists. There's a lot of it, but yeah, you just get ripped off. You don't get you don't get a game. You get something that was made. You know, you you get something that was made as like a demo reel 15 years back for what could potentially be done if a game was made out of this engine. And that's that's all mm. you got. That's your game. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah. so fuck that. It's it, it's sort of like it's sort of like picking. Uh, you know, the room for a Razzie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it's a terrible movie and you're watching it because of that. So it's not, it's almost unfair to sort of pick it. So exactly. I totally agree it's, there. It's too obvious. And I, and I think you're right. Bloody 2K and EA, they just have an unfair advantage. We just, we so expect them to be terrible <laughs> that just nothing they do ever surprises I us. Know. So it's like, yeah, they're, I know. It's no, like they're terrible. Big shot. Exactly. When someone, when a game, and it's the same thing on the other side, when a game company releases a game that's really good, everyone's like, how are they going to top themselves this year? And yeah. I just feel yeah. like EA and 2K really didn't. They didn't rise to the. They didn't rise to the plate. They didn't. Um, they didn't really find a way to to up themselves. 
Um, so yeah, I think they're getting a bit stale in their shittiness. Uh, yeah, so I think for me, it's so, between right, Cyberpunk so and Avengers. Yeah, yeah, they're the they're two clear f- front runners for sure. Now, I think I know which one you're going to be leaning to here, and uh, so I'm just going to go for why I think uh, Avengers deserves to be in the, in the like one of the last two clear nominees out of these, like. God, the Marvel's Avengers games was just an a- absolute disaster. Now, look, I, I I do it like I did see it coming. Like I did say, like from what I've seen, all the all the games of the server stuff doesn't sound good to me. Sounds like they're trying to do too many things at once, and that's basically sort of what it ended up being. We had this, you know, decent enough main story. You know, still buggy as shit, like those bugs and frame drops left, right and centre. But, you know, fun enough main story that you could tell if that was the pure focus of the entire game, the, it would probably would have been a stellar title. It probably would have been like a, you know, probably not like, you know, Naughty Dog or or Sucker Punch or Rockstar level. It probably would have been like maybe a 9 out of 10 mm. or something, but that's still, fin- that's so much fun. That's That's fantastic. Uh, and like a, a good Avengers game, who doesn't want that? Like I love... I, lo- I love superheroes in video games. The, you know, I'm, I'm over it in movies now. It's just way too oversaturated. Mm. But I feel like the, we, 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 they're kind of few and far in between. We have Spider-Man and we have the Arkham series. And it seems that's sort of it. So, I, I you know, I, I was hoping that there would be at least some fun to be had in this. Or, you know, it would, it would be a decent enough title. But no, it was just a huge, huge disappointment. Some of the combat elements were fun. But it was just one of those things. It was they were trying to make a new looter game uh, that w- wasn't quite as good as others. And there's just too many looter games out there. It's just far too competitive. You got to come out of the gate swinging. You can't come with a subpar title, and that's exactly what they've provided here. Mm. Um, yeah, Avengers, and it, like we talked about it on the show weeks later, the player base has just completely dropped, like off the face of the yeah. earth. And for a live service game where it's all about keeping people coming back, so they'll pay for your battle passes and things like that, uh, it's it's definitely not a good sign. Uh, and that's another thing to mention. Like the monetization was also super dodgy. Like they're trying to sell you all these different skins for the for the Avengers. Um, and it was just way over the top. The battle passes that you had, uh, you you had to um, the battle passes you had to buy for each individual character, and they were like over ten dollars each. So if you wanted to get every single skin for every single character, you were paying like an extra sixty bucks on top of the cost of your game already. So mm. the monetization was terrible, and because they wanted to monetize these skins, it also meant the fucking loot was terrible because they couldn't show any of the loot having any cosmetic effect on you because they're trying to charge you for that so all you're doing is just picking like different like you're, you're changing out the Hulk's spine and his fist and whatever but literally all it is is just seeing the numbers go up mm. and there's no cosmetic effect at all so it feels like the loot's it just may as well just be just the straight progression why don't they just make it so you just level up your character but no that is because they want to sell you those skins the loot just totally became completely meaningless mm. Um, yeah, Avengers was a big wet fart for me, and it's a shame because it was a game that had just so much potential, uh, and it just really did not live up to that potential, and, and it's a shame. It just seems like Square Enix has 
put the hard press onto uh, God. It's sitting at 400 concurrence on Steam right now, which is really, really poor for a live service game. You know, Destiny still gets in the tens of thousands, and that game's been out for years. Yeah, no one's playing this um, game. Um, and- yeah, it just seems like they tried to shoehorn in all this live service stuff just to sell microtransactions, when really what they should have made is a... First is is a narrative based third person action game, which is exactly what Crystal Dynamics makes anyway. Why they decided to get them to do this, <clears throat> crazy to me. Yeah. What, what are you thinking? All right, well, here's a, here's an interesting category because we can actually have some fun with this one as to what does Lame of the Year mean for us? Does Lame of the Year mean mm. is it a bad game, and in what way is it a bad game, or is Lame of the Year is 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 this game just not very interesting. It's a forgettable game. It's a game that nobody plays. For me, I haven't... <laughs> Both games are fucking lame to me. No, I was not interested in either one. So straight off the bat, I know. Mm. Uh, Cyberpunk didn't appeal to me. Avengers didn't appeal to me. I haven't played either one. I haven't even looked at gameplay footage of Avengers because I didn't need to. As soon as people started talking about it, it just confirmed in my mind what I already felt beforehand. So I just don't... I got nothing. This game has always been nothing to me, but yeah. to the rest of the world, it's all. It's had a big fanfare. It had such a big build up to it. It had a massive budget in development. This game is not. This game is not making uh, Disney any money at all. It's lost everyone a lot of money. Um, mm. Again, all of these things can be said for Cyberpunk. I don't know. Mm. It's really oh, well, tough. That, that, see, and that's and that's the thing. That's where. It, it, not all of them could be said for Cyberpunk because Cyberpunk still technically, as far as, you know, like the the launch of the game was a success, like their reputation was fucked, but they still made all their money back, you know what I mean? Uh, so, and, and uh, as far as like... For now. I, I th- for I, now. I, I, I think with this, cop, we do have to... Cons- they're going to cop a lot of refunds and they're going to cop even more fines from governments for um, mm. preventing people from getting a refund for their games. Yeah, so I guess we'll see in the long term. Both games buggy messes at launch. I'd say Cyberpunk was far buggier, Um, but I think I think that the the thing that makes me want to pick Avengers over Cyberpunk for this one is because I think at the core of what Cyberpunk has, like once they fix the bugs and the crashes, they've actually got a really good title Mm. there. Whereas I think Avengers is totally beyond saving. Like the core of the game, Mm. the gameplay loop isn't fun it is it is done better in far other looters whereas i think when cyberpunk is finished it will be the best first person rpg uh to play to date basically it will have the most interesting story with interesting mechanics and, and and a fun interesting world uh, whereas, yeah, Avengers even like now apparently a bunch of the the bugs and stuff are fixed now, but still people still aren't playing it, and I don't see them being able to rescue its reputation or the actual game itself yeah. anytime in the future. Cyberpunk, I don't know if they'll be able to fix their reputation, but I almost guarantee you the game itself they will, will be fix, able to fix yeah. this game. The game's going to be good. If, will it be six months from now? Will it be a year from now? I don't know, but at some stage it will. Turn I think good. that's an excellent point, Zach, and definitely that makes me lean towards Avengers because at its core it's just not a good game and that's why people aren't Mm. playing it whereas Cyberpunk at its core it could be a good game and that's why people are so frustrated because they're not getting to play that game. In addition to that people are still playing Cyberpunk 
it's still getting quite a lot of plays yeah. at the moment, whereas no one's playing Avengers. We got hard stats saying that. Mm. So I think mm. I got to say, with all of the fanfare and build-up that this was going to be the best fucking game ever... Um, and all the money that went into it um, for Avengers. Um, yeah, I think Avengers is lame of the year. Bloody oath. Uh, yeah, totally agree. 2020 news to reviews, lame of the year. Oh my God, we reached a, con- a- we reached consensus. The- Crystal Dynamics Avengers. Was this the first one where it wasn't that hard to reach a consensus? Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, maybe. There I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think they're all interesting discussions. Oh, absolutely. I, I love I, I love the discussions. I just think that was the first one that both of us were like, yeah, this this is lame of the year. Um yeah, the, the title yeah. and the game we knew this went together like um peanut butter and whatever yeah. people like peanut butter in addition with. Bloody oath, yeah, yeah, and like, and, and look, all of these, all of these nominees were a complete disaster. Uh, particularly cyberpunk, holy oh shit! Like, as far as like, as far as the games media is concerned, is it's definitely the most high profile disaster of the year. But yeah, well, based yeah, on cyber- what they actually have to offer, yeah, they they made shame of the year, so we can't give them too many awards for their horrible deeds. <laughs> you know, we got to share the yeah. love there, and I think, and I think, really, Disney's, Marvel's, Avengers. Uh, Square Enix's Squaresoft's Crystal Dynamics's Marvel Avengers game, um, definitely. You know they they went all in. They really they they worked hard. All of those execs came together to produce a really underwhelming game on this one, and we thank them. Mm-mm-mm. Bloody oh! And like yeah, like final point. I I could not wait to stop playing Marvel's Avengers. And I do not want to stop playing Cyberpunk, so... Okay. Take that with me. Wonderful. So, there's been a bit of a build-up. We've had all of these amazing puns in our categories. You know, again, I'm proud of both of us that we were able to pull that off. Um, So many dad jokes in this this podcast. Oh, oh, man. My hat goes off to you for Game of the Queer, though. That was just... (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I... I feel very close to the source material with that one. Okay, so um, that brings us now to our actual proper award. What was the creme de la creme of 2020, which is the shittiest year in recent times for humanity? (laughs) What came out of this shit show of a year? What rose to the top? Alrighty, the nominees for the News to Reviews Game of the Year for 2020. We have Hades by Supergiant Games getting lots of love in our Game of the Year awards. It's I think it's been nominated in almost every single category. Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch. The Last of Us Part 2 by Naughty Dog. And Doom Eternal by ID Software. All fantastic games. I'm just going to just quickly off the bat just cross Doom Eternal because <laughs> I know there's no way on God's green earth that you'll want no, that yeah, in, the, in the top That one. is the only one uh, I will but- vehemently oppose. I, I will use my veto, my official veto, to always cross out Doom Eternal. It, it, it could have been a great game, and this is why I'm so frustrated with it, because the actual mm. movement of the game, it looks great, and it move, It feels so good moving through the world. Um, the actual platforming is mm. great from from a first-person shooter, you don't expect that good a platforming. Um, fantastic. Mm. But the the core game, fucking ammo management, fucks it up. Mm. Yep. yep. 
Yep, and this is game of the nah. year, so you know this is encompassing everything. Yeah, no. you know, the the gameplay, the the narrative, the sound, the yeah, visuals. It's no all fucking way. All part of it, and yeah, they're, they're definitely. I, I like look as much as the ammo management side of things uh, didn't irk me too much. Uh, it's definitely, I think, when you add everything together, not not the one that topped it out for me this year. And funnily enough, like, I'm not doing this, like, objectively. This is just what I felt, uh, you know, what I, what I feel is, like, the one that I just enjoyed the most. Mm. Like, The Last of Us Part Two, I, I loved, uh, and I, I, I felt like I did a stellar job in every single category. The storytelling, uh, the sound, and the gameplay. Uh, but as far as the uh, narrative was concerned, I just think it went on a little bit too long. Uh, it should have finished like two thirds of the way through the game, or you know, it had plenty of opportunities to end the game and make the point that it had already been drilling home the entire way through. Uh, but it just sort of kept going with that. Um, so, like, I don't know. It's a, like, if you feel okay with this, do you reckon we like narrow it down to between Hades and Ghost of Tsushima? Absolutely. Yeah, because you didn't like the gameplay in Last of Us Part Two as that's well. That's the too, thing. So I think that's fair to sort of cross. That's the that thing. Off it's well. a beautiful looking game, but I know straight for, straight off the bat, I wouldn't have enjoyed the gameplay. Um, and mm. yeah, for me, for me, it, Ghost of Tsushima, I haven't played it, and that's why it's really hard for me to. Um, mm. It's hard for me to weigh in on because I think it's a game that I would love um, based on how you've described it in the past. So that's where I I don't really have an issue with it winning an award and I I wouldn't stand in its way. But what I can say with confidence from my experiences is that Hades is a perfect example of a game that um, it, it reminds you that a game doesn't need to be a fucking movie um that you're that you're seeing that you're seeing unfold it doesn't need mm. to be this incredible story that it's telling a game at its core is a game it's a thing that you mm. play that entertains you and <laughs> and what better game to to say what what better game that i could say was more entertaining this year to play than hades i have sunk so many hours into that game replaying it over and over and over again just because at its core mechanically it feels fantastic to play it's a, mm. a pitch perfect version of a dungeon crawler game so it's best of its genre in a very long time um although we have been fortunate to get a lot of great dungeon crawl uh, crawl style games and this has come risen out on top immediately as a standout of its own version um Mm. this game the story is quite basic it's quite simple um really what keeps you going in entertainment is the characters that it has and the the simple Mm. dialogue and there's so much dialogue to this game it's made by an indie developer too and let's not forget and, and you can't forget that it's it's always remarkable when you see a small-scale gaming company that just has really talented individuals that are passionate about gaming and the experience, they always manage mm. to take a big dump on these massive giants that, that you know, have millions of dollars to throw at these things. I'm looking at you, Avengers. And, and you know, they mm. fuck it up. They, they, they go bigger. They always try and do a massive fucking movie first and a game second, mm. which I love mm. and I enjoy. I, I enjoy watching them on YouTube for free, but when I want to play a game <laughs> and when I want to recommend a game to, to others, the only game I'm recommending this year has been Hades. Mm, and, uh, oh man, I agree with you on everything you said about Hades. 
It is my favorite game on the Nintendo Switch. I, I adore Hades. It's one of those games that you can just keep coming back to and play over and over again. You know, like say, you know, end of the night, you just want to play a quick half an hour. You can jump in, get through a few few dungeons and then and then go to sleep and move on with your mm-hmm. life. And I absolutely love that. And you'll have a lot of fun every time you do because the gameplay is just so tight and feels so good to play. All the different cool weapons you have to play around mm. with. Ah, it's so it's it's so good. I absolutely love it. But for games I played this year, the 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 one that I just enjoyed the most and the one that just that just grabbed me the most and I had the most fun with in every aspect was Ghost of Tsushima. Um, the the narrative in Ghost of Tsushima, like, like Hades, it's quite simple, but the characters are awesome and and it's told really well. Uh, and so I, I found it to be engaging from start to finish. Mm. Uh, the art style, uh, like the art style in Hades, which I love the Saturday morning cartoon kind of art style. I think it was great. And the character models when they pop up with dialogue all look fantastic. Um, but just that I'd never seen an art style like what I have in Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, their, their sort of fantasy version of Japan where there's just stupid amounts of leaves and stuff blowing around everywhere. It's completely unrealistic, <laughs> but it looks absolutely gorgeous. Like every frame could be a des- desktop screensaver. It's just that gorgeous. And because of that, like I was just diving in hard with the photo mode, which yeah. I never do in games, but I was obsessing. Oh, over I know it. Like, you love every- your photos, yeah. Man, every play session, I'd find myself stopping and taking photos because there'd just be something that makes my jaw drop. It was just absolutely stunning. And the gameplay, the combat, so good. As I said earlier on, uh, like the it, it even on hard, it, it was just it always felt rewarding, and the difficulty never just felt like it was unfair, and they weren't punishing with you by limiting your uh, like your resources and stuff like that. It was purely based on your skill at the game and how good you are, and yeah, I love that. I, I completely love that. Those small issues I had, yes, with the with the uh, stealth. I don't. I think the Last of Us Part Two does stealth. Uh, better but as as far and and like with some of the the uh, uh, ranged archery sort of stuff but as far as like my overall experience every part of it i I just adore ghost of tsushima and and i I absolutely love it I, i love hades as well but i think and i don't know if it's purely based on the type of game that hades is that it isn't generally my style of game uh, that that maybe Ghost of Tsushima could speak to me more. Like, I never tried playing Hades up on the big screen with headphones on or anything like mm. that. It was always chilling out in bed kind of a thing. Uh, so maybe I didn't do it, it, it give it its, its justice in, in that sense. Uh, but Ghost of Tsushima, I was fully immersed. The sound's amazing. The soundtrack's fantastic. The voice acting was great. The options that they give you. The free update for multiplayer. The multiplayer mode was awesome. Shout out to Paul from the Inconsolables and some random dude who I played that with. Had so much fun playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. And I do want to play more. And now that we're going on break for a few weeks, hopefully I'll be able to get to get to play some more. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know, Lockie. I know maybe. What are you? What are you thinking? Are you, how how you're tilting on this teeter that is between Hades and Ghost of Tsushima, right? Okay. Now? Well, okay. So you've made you've made your pitch, and I'm gonna I'm going to ask you a question because I'm going to convince myself 
because this is a game that I've never played before. I only have an idea of mm-hmm. what it brings to the table, and um, and it has to be stated that it is an ex- uh, it, it is a PlayStation Four exclusive. So there's very limited ways you can play this game. But I guess well, a PlayStation exclusive, you can play it on PS Five. Oh, okay. oh wow, oh, that really opens things up, doesn't it, Zach? A console that no one can buy. <laughs> um, so yeah, all the all the six yeah, people it, out there exactly. Who have so only. Only the six richest people in the world can obtain a copy of this game, but I guess that's not a reason to pr- that's not a reason to assess whether or not it's the best game of the year. Um, what I will say to you is, and this is um, this is us going back to our last top ten from the previous year of games we'd ever played, um, where I was torn between what is a more perfect game than Zelda: Ocarina of Time, and that is delivering that perfection but elevating it into art. And my question to you is, does Ghosts of Tsushima elevate the Assassin's Creed-style game into art? That's a, that's, a, that's a really difficult question. Well, we're, we're arguing guess, Game of the sort Year. Of, you're sort we're of going, arguing Game of the Year, mate, so you gotta, you got to meet some difficult mm, answers. Yeah, I, look, uh, I guess the, 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 this is totally subjective. Like, all, all this is subjective, obviously. Like, none of these are our objective. No, no, it, this is entirely subjective, of course. I'm, I'm applying very arbitrary... Uh, measurements on you i i think purely for me like it has my favorite art style in any game ever and just purely the fact that you know there's so many moments where which could yeah just just be your screensaver and i wouldn't say it's like i wouldn't say as far as the story it's telling you know it's yeah, maybe that would you wouldn't cons- no it, it definitely it, it elevates it it makes it art in my, in my opinion i i think that it, it is a work of art goes to tsushima and and yeah it, it, it's absolutely gorgeous and stunning and it improves on the assassin's creed formula in every single okay. way okay you know what zach what? as much as i told you that the difference between ocarina of time and medora's got the clinch you know what doesn't elevate into art Hades. So it was a completely arbitrary decision anyway. Yours has art, art <laughs> elements. Hades does not. Hades is a perfect game. Hades is an execution of perfect form. Sorry, perfect function. Yep. Um, and in terms of, you know, it's a fantastic game. And it's a game that I will absolutely recommend to anyone who wants, I want to play a great game. Play Hades. I want to play the best yep. game. I want to play a game that makes me feel something. Well... I think uh, I think Ghost of Tsushima made you feel something, Zach. Oh yeah, it certainly did, right down deep in my loins. Holy shit, go. is this is this our? Pick I will hockey? concede to you, Ghost of Tsushima. Holy shit! Thank you for bestowing this gift onto I me. Know. It is a gift <laughs> of being able to name like oh god, such a deserving game. Ghost of Tsushima is the news to reviews game of the year by Sucker Punch Studios. Stellar title. Go back and listen to our episodes on it. Very well deserved. Oh, yeah. Holy shit, Lockie. This was so much bloody this was, fun. Yeah. Hey, holy shit. Let's just quit doing the podcast and every week we'll just come up with categories <laughs> no. and no. <laughs> award games. <laughs> shit, no, it's so, it's much, so fun. much fun, but you need a year to build. Like, they're, they're, you can't, you yeah, can't yeah, do to- this every totally week. Agree. Who would want to listen to that? Oh, game of the... Game... <laughs> All these game of the weeks. Oh, best voice acting amongst amongst. You have like two games that are genuinely made by game companies, and the rest are all just anime carbon copy. You know, push it, push it out the door. Shit. Oh, oh god, god. Yeah, totally, we totally. would just be rating Infinite Combat 
against whatever version of that that came out this week. Oh, which which shitty? What's the best of the shittiest game this week? You know that could be a show, oh, but that would be so expensive to run, and I just can't afford it. Yeah, no, that that was so much fun, and oh. like, yeah, I hope we turn this into a bit of a tradition. I'm down to down to do this every year. This was that was yeah, an absolute blast, <laughs> and I hope all our lovely listeners out there enjoyed it as well. Uh, if you want to tell us anything you thought about this episode of News to Reviews, this awesome Game Awards one, please send your feedback to News to Reviews podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on all these socials Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our Twitter handle is at News to Reviews, and that's uh, with a number two instead of the word two. Sond. Uh, Sond, what, what was I, Sond? It was this I am the spirit of non denominational. I can't even get through that. Non-denominational. I, I'm the spirit of non-denominational holiday cheer. Sonduck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would also like to add that um, we go after a lot of companies and individuals in this one. Nothing we say is necessarily factual. It is an opinion that we state based on information that has been presented to us by other sources at this point in time. Please don't sue us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please don't sue us. And also, we are a satire podcast, first and foremost, not a news one, as much as we like to pretend we are. <laughs> Even though we have literally have news in the yeah, title. Nope, nope, but Zach, we've got to be satire, because news kind of, you know, so, um, <laughs> we, we are a satire podcast. Yeah, I totally <laughs> agree. We are definitely a satire uh, podcast. Uh, Everyone out there, have yourselves a good uh, New Year's. The next episode will be in the year 2021. That's one we pre-recorded earlier. And look forward to our top 10 games of the generation. As I said, yeah, part one will be coming out next week. Uh, Yeah, everyone, stay safe over this holiday period. Have a fantastic New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and all the best for 2021. Please, everyone out there, take care of yourselves and take care of one another. Thank you so much for listening. Um, We look forward to all of the hate mail that comes in explaining to us how wrong we were in our decision-making process. And and we will proceed (laughs) to read all of that hate mail. And then we will proceed to throw it... We'll print it out, then throw it in the bin. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 